Welcome to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week, where our goal is to equip the believer to do the work of the ministry. We hope that you enjoy this week's sermon by the senior leader here at Gateway Church, Pastor Chris Monahan. Uh, we're grateful to be here this morning and just to share the word that, that the Lord has put on my heart. And of course, we ask you to, this may challenge you this morning, this word, but I want you to take it before the Lord and what he responds to you is, is what I believe is what needs to be your response. Because this is what he gave me for today. And I want to talk about uh, when your prayers go unanswered. Now, I, I know most of you are really holy and every one of your prayers have got answered. <laughs> but um, for some of us, it's, it's a struggle, isn't it? When your prayers go unanswered. And what does that mean? And, and the Lord had really directed me to a story in the Bible that I've, that I've studied uh, and, and meditated on for quite a long time. But when our, when our prayers are unanswered, one of the things that happens through that process of prayer is we get stronger and stronger. And some people think we're crazy because we keep on praying and we keep on believing. But I've heard this saying before that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. But can I tell you, so is prayer. How many have been there before? Like, I've been praying this same prayer. Am I insane or am I in faith? I'm not sure. And that was my dilemma. But when our prayers go unanswered, we continue on because it makes us stronger. It's like the bird who's in the egg and the little chick is pecking its way through, and the whole process, that whole pecking process, is that by the time it gets through that egg, it is now strong enough for that next level, for that next season. And sometimes we, we give up way too early. Sometimes we don't press through. But what I want to talk about today is sometimes we're not praying wisely. We're not praying in line with the will of God, and we don't have understanding. And this morning, I want to start with a story that's found in 2 Samuel 21, verse 1. And this is about the reign of King David. How many love God's Word here this morning? So good. So in the book of 2 Samuel, if you're looking for that, that is after 1 Samuel. Just so you know, I learned this in Bible school. Same principle happens, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. They're right after each other. Anyway. I'd just like to be really helpful to you. But it says this, 2 Samuel 21.1. During the reign of David, there was a famine for three successive years, so David sought the face of the Lord. How many have had situations in your life that they're continually happening over and over and over? And what David did at this point in time is he didn't, didn't let it go on for another year. He stopped and he sought the face of the Lord. And when I was praying this week, I felt like the Lord said, tell my people... I don't want them to pray harder. I want them to pray smarter. I don't want them to pray longer necessarily, but I want you to pray knowing what my will is. And I want to share some things that might help you because how many know, like, that's just the greatest, the most spiritual answer your pastor can give you. You're going through something, and I'll say, pray about it. Pray harder. Keep pressing in. But there are, are times when we're not praying wisely. We're not praying with understanding. And when David sought the Lord, he sought him about the present lack that he was in. That's something you can fill in on your worksheet. 
How many have experienced lack in your present? Oh, God, I need. Lord, you need to break through. Lord, you need to do something because there is a lack right now. There's a lack of relationship. There's a lack of finances. There's a lack of breakthrough. God, you need to move. And those are wonderful prayers to seek him for those things because that's what prayer is. It's believing in something that you don't see happening, but you know in your spirit, man, it's supposed to happen. How many have ever been there before? That you don't see it happening, but you're like, Lord, this is your word. You see, we don't rely on our feelings. We rely on the facts of God's word. That's what faith is. That's what people think we're kind of crazy, a couple nuts loose. But that's all right because we see answers. But it takes that time of perseverance. And we have to recognize what someone did in a previous generation affects my current, current situation oftentimes. What your parents did still has effect on you today. What our forefathers did in this nation still has an effect to us today. And we have to look at that in our future. Like, why don't I do stupid stuff, as much stupid stuff as I do? How's that making sense today? Anyway, why do I live my life in fear of the Lord? Because I know that my decisions today will affect a future generation. And that's where we continually keep in mind, this is why I am here. It's not just for my own, me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. It is for this next generation that's to come. And the decisions that I make today or don't make today, the stand I make or the stand I don't make, will have an effect on the people who are coming after me. Do you think like that? You know, there's a tribe of the Iroquois, the Iroquois tribe. The chieftains would come together and they would say, we consider every deliberation on how it will affect seven generations from now. You ever hear of seventh generation toilet paper? Come on, how many have heard of seventh generation toilet paper? I don't know why it's called seventh generation toilet. I don't need toilet paper for seven generations. I don't want to use it, Apple, anyway. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Where am I going today? Take that off the CD, please. Man, oh, my gosh. Okay, here we go. But what we do makes a difference. And what we see is David was suffering for three successive years with a famine over Israel. Entire Israel was being affected because of something that was done thousands, you know, hundreds of years earlier. In Joshua 9.14, it says, Joshua made a treaty of peace with the Gibeonites, and let them live, the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. There was a time when the Israelites were going into the promised land, and what had happened was there was a group of people who the Israelites had made a covenant with, a leader had made a covenant with these group of people called the Gibeonites, and there was a king prior to David who had actually killed the Gibeonites. And now, because of the actions of a previous king, David was suffering the consequences. Is that making any sense this morning? Joshua made him and brought him in the covenant. Saul killed them. Now David's paying the price for Saul's sin. Does that make sense to you? It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> but that's the way the Bible operates. There are things that are carried on from one generation to another through nations, through kingdoms, through families, if they're not dealt with appropriately, will continue to harm us and hurt us and cause frustration and difficulty 
So we have to learn to pray wisely. Is anybody with me this morning? And as I was with the Lord this week, you know, it says this, as David sought the Lord, the Lord said, it's on account of Saul and his blood-stained house. It is because he put the Gibeonites to death. He said, you, David, are not experienced blessing and reign over your nation as a king because of what someone did in the previous administration. They had killed the Gibeonites. And this is what David realized, and so he took action at that moment. And we have to realize sometimes we assume we are not praying hard enough when it's just not we're praying wisely enough. How many have prayed really hard for some things sometimes? And you still didn't see breakthrough. Maybe we're not praying with wisdom. Maybe we just tried to, to work it harder, drive a little faster, but we're still going in the wrong direction. And God sometimes will say, stop. The reason you're not seeing breakthrough is because you're not praying rightly. Sometimes we assume we're not praying hard enough when we're just not praying wisely enough. We're not praying long enough instead of not praying wisely enough. And so number two, we need to look at the past failures, not just our own failures, but sometimes even the failures of, of the nation around us or our forefathers. God may be pointing to our own hearts to repent. And this morning, I want to talk to you about what happens in a nation that doesn't honor God. Sometimes God calls us to go back and look at our own nation and recognize the sins of our own nation and deal with those very things. My, my wife and I have been watching this show called Alone on Netflix. Anybody ever see that? They drop these people out in the Arctic and they got to stay out there for 100 days. And I'm thinking I would die in the first day. Like, I would, I'd be crying like in 15 minutes. Come get me. I'm out. Tap out. Tap out. Tap out. It's cold. It's cold. I'm hungry. And one of the things that they do there is they would trap animals. That's what they would do. And there's a picture of a trap up here that you see. And the way they trap these animals is, is they, they put them in areas of the brush where they see there's a clearing and a, a, you know, a fox or a rabbit will, will run into the trap. And then that trap will, will go around its neck. And because the animal's not smart enough to back up, it'll die. And I felt like we sometimes continue to push forward and push forward when we feel trapped instead of taking a moment to back up and let's take a look at what's really going on. Is that okay we do that today? So I was, I was with the Lord this week, and you know, you have times where you feel the conviction of God, and I want to repent just as a pastor this morning for not putting abortion in the, in the right to life in the forefront of this ministry and not speaking out against it enough. I believe that the shedding of innocent blood is the top priority right now that's going on in our nation. I believe as a pastor, and I believe this is from the Lord, that we need to see that the life of the unborn is top priority for the Lord and breaking this curse off our nation. Because many of us haven't realized, we have prayed and believed and said, God, I want to see breakthrough in our nation. And I felt like the Lord was speaking to me and he said, I hate the shedding of innocent blood. And he said, when we are able to deal with that, not out there, but in our own hearts. See, the, God looks at the church first, guys. 
See, we'd like to point out there and say, look at all the evil things people are doing. Look at all the evil things we as the church are doing. Come on. Like, let's deal. Look, look at all the evil things in my own heart I have to deal with. And once we get that right, I believe God will move. See, the Bible holds that life in the womb is of the highest value. The Bible distinguishes between innocent blood and guilty blood. Did you know that? That's why I believe in the death penalty and I'm against the shedding of innocent blood. I'm against abortion. Because the, the child is innocent in the womb. But someone who is guilty sometimes deserves the death penalty. And we can read this in the book of Matthew 5.38. How many have ever heard the saying before, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth? How many have heard that saying before? Did you know that in the context of an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth, it's talking about an unborn child in the womb? The only time, only specific narrative that is placed around this saying is found in Exodus 21, 22 through 25. It's a strange story about two men who are fighting and hit a pregnant woman who then goes into labor. This is an, a, an interesting story. It says this in Exodus 21. When, a, when men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judge determines. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, and so on. So we look and see that that command is based on a child that was that was injured in the womb, and the child came out because of a fight between two men. And Jesus says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And what this tells us is that God puts the same value on a life that is born as the same value as a life that's in the womb. Can I preach to you from the Bible this morning? And we cannot budge on this issue. People say, well, this woman... The child was conceived out of rape. How many know that there are many people today that are helping thousands of people? James Robinson, who has a ministry all over the world, was conceived out of rape. Should you or I be given that authority to take away a life, to kill a life, to kill someone who's innocent, not based on their own sin, but based on the sin of another? Absolutely not. Well, what if the, the woman is about to die? And, and the mother has an abortion. That's a, that's a rescue mission, my friend. That's not an abortion. That's a rescue mission. There's, there are different ways that we can look at it, and most of those are outliers. There's something we shouldn't even consider. We should value life in the womb the way God values life. See, God hates the shedding of innocent blood. Exodus points to the punishment that will be placed upon men who harm this child who was in the womb. If a life is lost, a life is taken. If an eye is lost, an eye is taken, etc. The message I want to communicate here, the life of an unborn child is deemed of the same value as an adult. We, we read here in the Bible that the, the Scripture tells us uh, in Luke 1, 41 and 44 through 44, remember when Mary came to see Elizabeth, what's the Bible tell us? And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary... The baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, to be the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to me, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. So we see here, even in Scripture, we recognize these children's experience emotion in the womb. 
And when we are take a stance, a light stance, just like many in the in the Democratic Party, well, we have we've we've seen abortions uh, reduced in during our administration. Well, let me tell you, if I was a pastor of this church, and I let you guys know, hey, we've reduced the number of abductions in our children's church rather well in the last year. You'd be like, what? Your tolerance is zero. Your tolerance must be zero. There is no boasting. And I'm not going to ask you if you're a Christian to leave the Democratic Party, but I will tell you the Democratic Party left you a long time ago. We must recognize Proverbs 6, 16 and 17. Yahweh hates hands that shed innocent blood. And there's an odd story that is in this book of 2 Kings. And it talks about the king of Moab. It's interesting because the name Moab means an unknown father. The Moabites could be looked at as those who are fatherless. How many know we live in a fatherless society? So many people are raised. We talked about that last week. How many, the, the problems we have in our society is because of the lack of fathers. So the king of Moab was a king, and there was three kings, the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom. They got together because they wanted to, uh, Moab, the king of Moab rebelled against these three kings, and they decided to attack him and to put him back under submission. It says this in 2 Kings 3, 5, and 7. It says the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So King Jorah marched out of, of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. And he went and sent word to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And he said, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to battle against Moab? And there was, so there was actually three kings who came together to work together to overcome this rebellious force. And we see that they got themselves into trouble. How many have ever gotten together with somebody and the thing didn't go quite as the guy said it was going to go? You thought, uh-oh. They started traveling around. They got thirsty. Uh, and they thought, oh, my gosh, this is the end of all our armies. And we're trying to, to help each other overcome this problem. And so Jehoshaphat, who was a very godly king, he said this, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? Then one of the king's servants answered, Elijah, the son of Shaphat, is here. And they brought a musician, and Elijah uh, began to prophesy. How many know during 2020 and 2019, there was a lot of prophetic words over our nation? How many have heard those things? A lot of prophetic words of what God was going to do. I'm, I'm telling you, I stood on those. How many stood on those prophetic words? I, I, I'm still standing on prophetic words. Okay? I believe it's important that we, we highly embrace the prophetic words that were given. <laughs> Paul says to Timothy, according to the prophecies once made about you, fight the good fight of faith. And so if you don't have prophecies, how can you fight, you know? So we're fighting for our country, for the prophecies that have been made. And we're contending, like, God, you said this is going to happen. And then 2020 comes along, and the, the election comes along, and we're going, what just happened? Right? What happened? That's why we're showing a movie on Friday night. We'll show you what happened. It's evil. So we, we see that, and, and, we're, and we're going, okay, God, do we continue to pray? Do we throw in the towel? Do we, 
you know? Deny that every prophetic word that was spoken was wrong? No, that's not a good plan. Because you're going to see here that Elijah prophesies. He says this in 2 Kings 3, 15, 16, and 19. It said, when the musician played and the hand of the Lord came upon him, he said, he will also give the Moabites into your hand. You shall attack every fortified city, every choice city. There was a prophetic word that Elijah had given them that you're going to conquer the Moabites. But you're going to see at the end of this story is that they lost. That they didn't conquer the Moabites, even though the prophetic word was there. But why did it happen? And this is what I believe the Lord has, has been showing me and sharing with me. Because we see this, it says this in, in 2 Kings 3, 24 and 26. So the Israel, Israelites rose and struck the Moabites till they fled before them. And they went forward, striking the Moabites as they went. And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was going on against him, he then took his oldest son, who was to reign in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering on the wall. This is a shocking act that the king of Moabite did. He saw the battle was going against him. And so his response, I want you to see how odd this response is. How many think that response is odd? Right now, oh, we're losing. Oh, let's sacrifice Ephraim. Murder him, and then God will bless him. We'll get victory. It makes absolutely no sense. But you know, there's not one single thing in the Word of God that's not there for a reason or for a time or for a purpose. And I felt like the Lord said, Chris, this is what happened on January 6, 2020, 2021. There was something horrifying released against the body of Christ and Christians that caused many Christians to back down, to stop fighting and stop contending for the prophetic words. Because it says this in 2 Kings 3.27, and there came great wrath against Israel. So what happened? The king of Moab sacrifices his child, commits abortion, kills his own flesh and blood. And right after he does that, it's a very strange word. It's a, it's a word in the Hebrew that's, it's, it's, I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. It just means anger, wrath, or judgment. But it says it was great. Something came across the Israelites that caused them to give up and stop standing and stop contending for the prophetic word. But what caused it was the shedding of innocent blood. It was the sin. This is what I believe that right now in our nation, until we as the church align ourselves with God's heart toward the unborn, that we're not going to see the breakthrough that we want. How many want to see breakthrough? How many want to pray with wisdom and live rightly before God so that we can see the breakthrough? I want to have God's heart toward the unborn. I want to feel what God feels, and we need to have that encounter with God again. We cannot compromise on this issue. You'll say, oh, are you going to become just a, a one-issue person? I think God is. And I'll show you in Scripture why I think this is, this is a priority to God and we should never back down from it. You know, when January 6th happened, 2021, 
Some of you were there. Carolyn, you were there, right? Robbie Dawkins. How many know Robbie Dawkins? I serve the God of Robbie Dawkins, right? Come on. I love, how many love Robbie Dawkins, right? He's awesome. He was there. And what happened was, it's on that day that Christians lost their ability to fight because there was something that was relieved. I believe the events of January 6th was this moment when Christians withdrew from the battle. This was the moment. I believe our vice president did the wrong thing. I will say that. I believe he did not stand. He may say he did the right thing, but I believe he lost the ability to fight any longer. But why? This man's a believer. Why did that happen? I believe that there's some undealt with things in our nation that caused him to falter, that caused him to not to remain strong. And if we as the church can begin to recognize the priority and the focus that we need to have toward the unborn, I believe we can see breakthrough. I do not believe it's too late, but I might be wrong. I do not believe it's too late, but I do question that at the same time. When we look at the heart issue of God, did you know when you study the book of 1 Kings and 2 Kings, I would encourage you to do that because it's clippings of people's lives in like three paragraphs, usually. And you can see everything they did and everything they failed at, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you just watch like year after year, this king did this and this king did this. Can I tell you what is highlighted in every one of their reigns? What is highlighted every time you're reading it? It's based on this one statement, but so-and-so failed to tear down the high places. So-and-so did this and did this and was victorious here, victorious there, but he failed to pull down the high places. There's a few kings that God responds to and says, and he also took down the high places. How many think that God is into these high places. There's something about these high places. So we see this in just, this, just one instance, but there's, <laughs> there's, there's, uh, there's quite a few of them. 1 Kings 15, 14 talks about Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. Asa was a committed man to the life, just like many Christians. They're committed. But what's God say about him? But he didn't remove the high places. You see, that is the marking line of our ministry. Do you or do you not stand for or against the high places? What happened at these high places? Child sacrifice. The high places were the place where people sacrificed their children to the God of comfort, to the God of Molech. And until we stand... And we make a stand. This is where I believe God's judging us based on this single issue. If you look at all these scriptures in 2 Kings 12, 3, 14, 4, 15, 4, 15, 35, at the end of their reign, if these kings were good, bad, or ugly, it always mentions the high places, however, were not removed. High places are the areas of our lives where we have compromised for the sake of comfort, and ultimately it leads us into idolatry, perversion, and child sacrifice. 
It's what the high places are. Why are our prayers not being answered? Have we torn down the high places in our lives? That's the question I'm asking you today. Is your view on abortion? What is your view on abortion? What is your stance on abortion? And then we as a church, what is our action against abortion in our community, in our, in our nation, in our state? I was talking to my wife yesterday. You know the county, our, our county officials have a tremendous amount of power. Our state officials have a tremendous amount of power. We don't have to wait for the federal government to do something, to stand up. Can I tell you some good news this morning? A few of you are ready for some good news. All right. <laughs> There's a city in Ohio, Lebanon, and they, Lebanon is the first city in Ohio. It's actually the first city in Ohio to ban abortions. Isn't that awesome? And this happened on May 26, 2021. Candace Kelly, who will be at our next uh, Voice of the Patriots meeting, was hugely influential in this movement. But they call these sanctity of life cities. And they're sanct- they say they're sanctuary cities for the unborn. So they have a sanctuary city for the unborn in their city. No abortions can be performed in their city. Now imagine if every city, county does this, abortions ended in our land. We're not waiting for the federal government or the state government. We can do this here and now. So what's the remedy? Can I ask you, what is the remedy? Because how many believe that there are things that are holding us back, things that are holding us back as the church and our nation, and we haven't seen breakthrough? How many have sensed that? Like, God, we prayed hard, we played, prayed long, we fasted, We've gone after it, and God, we're not seeing the breakthrough. And the Lord says, have you dealt with your blood-stained house? Have you dealt with your blood-stained nation? And when we deal with the blood-stained house that we live in, God will bring us the victory. You see, David dealt with the blood-stained house of Saul. There was, it's not the prettiest story that I've ever read before, but basically seven of Saul's descendants had to be killed by the Gibeonites. And then the Bible says, then rain began to pour again on their nation. That's what happened. And when we look in this Scripture, we see God is requiring this of you. He's requiring this of us. And so our remedy, number three, our current remedy is number one, repent for abortion. Repent. You know, and, and many of us have been led into... Uh, prior to knowing Christ, even if we knew Christ, many of women have suffered. I mean, there's always two casualties when abortion happens, one to the baby and the next to the mother. And many of us have been deceived or tricked into having abortions. Many of us didn't realize how important this issue is to God's heart. And we have failed. And there's forgiveness, absolutely. God is a healer. He's a forgiver. But neither should we stick our head in the sand and pretend this is not an issue. Because many of us have have experienced the pain of abortion. So number one, we repent. Lord, forgive us for our stance on abortion. Forgive us for not taking action. Take God's stand on the issue. And have God's heart for the issue. 
Once the child is born, okay, how are we going to care for the children? These are also issues. One of the things I love about Wendy's, it's not their chili. It's that they're a pro-adoption restaurant. Thank God. Taking a stance on something good for adoption. I mean, that's still good in our society. I'll see what happens in a couple days. Who knows what's going to happen? Next thing you know, they're deeming adoption evil. It's wrong. I don't know. You just never know what's going to happen, don't you? But part of our call as a church is to make our community livable again. That's what we're called to do. And how do we do this? We're the ones that can go before God, just like David was the king. He went before God, and God showed him the plan. And once he showed him the plan, David was able to bring the plan so that it came to pass so that there was breakthrough again. See, we're the dam breakers, guys. We're the immune system people. We're the ones who rise up, and we remove the things that are in the way. They're not, other people aren't qualified to do it. You and I are the priests and the prophets and the kings. I don't know if you knew that. Out there in the world, they're not. What does a priest do? The priest intercedes, takes on the sin of others, and intercedes and prays and asks forgiveness. That's one of the most beautiful things about Jesus. In Isaiah 53, it was prophesied 700 years before he came to this planet that he would bear the transgressions of others. He would make intercession for them. How many glad that Jesus did something in your past? Because huh. we look at that, wait a second. Oh my gosh, look what happened in the past. It's not fair that I'm suffering the consequences for what happened in the past. Well, that situation works the same way when you look at Jesus. What he did in your past gives you authority now to walk free from the curse of death and sin in the grave if we apply it to our lives and recognize it. We look at his blood that was poured out for us. His blood speaks, cries out for us. And we come into alignment with that. And as priests, we were able to take the blood and we're able to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the blood that, of Jesus that's made me righteous, not my own works, my church attendance. Though we're glad you're here, but it won't help, okay? To be right with God, it requires the blood of Jesus. Blood's very important to God, Leviticus 17, 11. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Maybe your religion doesn't like blood or it's too primitive for some of these higher educated folks. But let me tell you, it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ, His atonement, that saves us. It's not by our works, our good looks, our church attendance, even our tithes. That doesn't help at all to get right with God. We are not lawless people. We follow the laws, but we don't rely on the laws to save us. That's where you make mistake when people think by what I do, and I can rely on that to save me only. The blood of Jesus Christ can save you and I. And the blood issue is a huge issue before God. And until we as the church begin to align ourselves with God's heart, I believe we're not going to see the breakthrough, but I want to encourage you today that breakthrough is coming, and the church is going to recognize her call and her stand. And when we are able to do that, you and I can make a stand and see the rain came down. I love what it says, because we have a future hope. It's the last thing you can fill in on your worksheet. It says this in uh, 2 Samuel 21, 14 and 10. It says, after that, God answered prayer in behalf of the land. As the bodies of the descendants of, the Saul, of Saul lay exposed, Rain poured down from heaven 
upon the bodies. So I want to ask you today as we close, let's stand together. I believe there's a few things that the Lord wants us to do this morning that I want to invite you just to stand before the Lord. I want to ask you, is there unanswered prayer in your life? Is there things in your life that you've not feel like you've seen answers and you've not been in alignment? And maybe there's things that you just say, God, first of all, for our nation, I want to today as a church to ask God forgiveness for the shedding of blood in our nation. We know there's 60 million, 60 million unborn children, and many of those in minority areas that we need to say, God, we repent on behalf as a nation today of the shedding of innocent blood. And we want to pray for God's heart and God's ability to stand. Is that all right? We do that this morning? Let's do that together. Let's just in one confession say, Father, we come in the name of Jesus. We repent for the shedding of innocent blood that has happened over our nation. We ask that you would forgive us as a nation for the sin of abortion. And you would cleanse us And give us your heart and cause us to take action as you would in this season. Forgive us, heal us, and cleanse our land. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a shout of praise this morning. He is good. Now let me pray for you. Those of you... How many of you have some unanswered prayers this morning that's been weighing on them that they are just saying, God, I really want to see breakthrough for those uh, unanswered things. God, I'm contending, I'm contending. I want to pray for you right now. Just go ahead and, and uh, just bring your request before God. Everyone here, just bring your request before God. So, Father, I, my, this is my prayer. And I want to just pray, Lord, right now I just declare your voice to speak right now to every person here. Every person here, Lord. Is there anything I need to repent of? Is there anyone I need to ask forgiveness for? Is there any generational sin that is committed in my family or my nation that I need to repent of? Just do business with God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, whatever the Lord has told you today, just take action. Bring it before the Lord. Just say, Lord, I want to get this area right. I feel like this is the area. I give it to you right now, Lord. And then do not delay. Be zealous. I love what Revelation says. Be zealous and repent. I love that. (laughs) Be zealous about your repentance. Go after your repentance today. Say, Lord, I screwed this up. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) I'm getting this thing out of my life. And let the zeal of God burn in you to get that thing right. Don't let it stand for another day. Because this nation, people around you, need you. And God wants to use us. 
But we're the problem. I'm so glad. Aren't you glad we're the problem? I don't know about you. Because I can do something about me. Okay? We can do something about us. <laughs> and when we get in alignment with God, what's the Bible say? Judgment begins with the house of God. That's a privilege, though. Because we can get those things right. Get those moved out of the way so that rain can begin to pour over our nation again. Not, and friend, when rain says the, the rain falls on the good or the bad, rain is good. Everybody say rain is good. I know some people don't farm. They don't rain and again. No, it's rain is good. So we need it. We need it over our nation. So, Father, I thank you for the wisdom of how to pray that's being released this morning. And, God, we thank you for the breakthroughs that you're going to give to every person within the sound of my voice. If today you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want to encourage you. The Bible says, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you believe in your heart, that, that God, if, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. It's a confession and a belief. And this morning, make that confession. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Thank you, God, for raising him from the dead and saving me. And today, we invite you to join in with that decision, that thing that Jesus did in your past to bless you today and to give you a future and hope. Father, thank you. Thank you for saving us, delivering us, giving us direction in this season. We bless you. We honor you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys for being with us. If anyone needs prayer or anything this morning, we have some of our prayer team. Come on up. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise. Come on, come on. Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week. Make sure to follow us on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And for more information, videos, sermons, or events, check out our website at igateway.org. Thank you and have a blessed week.